You are now listening to the Fanville Hockey Podcast, your one-stop source for everything NHL. Follow along as the Fanville crew talk about the biggest highlights and stories from the past week in the NHL. It's now time to drop the puck with your host, Tyler Brooks. Hello and welcome to the 45th episode of the Fanville Hockey Podcast. We're off and running on this surprisingly warm Sunday afternoon. Uh, today, I'm your host, Evan Johnson. I'm joined by our co-host, Dakota Songer. How are you doing this morning, Dakota? Or evening, sorry. Yeah, good evening. I'm doing good. Glad to be back. Back, better than ever. Ready to get into this. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on around here. Yeah, somehow you've missed almost a month. Yeah, it's been a crazy month. <laughs> I'd say so. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to two things this episode. One, we got a new game coming up later in the episode. Two, we had a a guest on Andy Hudson. Uh, that's gonna you guys are gonna listen to later. Great interview with Andy. A lot of uh, interesting points that he brings up. But uh, I'm not gonna do any spoilers. I'm gonna let you guys uh, listen for yourself. But jumping into the NHL news, there's been a lot of uh, stuff going on with the war uh, over in Russia and Ukraine. So most of this NHL and non-NHL news is regarding to that. So to start off, the NHL released a statement saying the league is suspending all relationships with business partners in Russia and pausing all Russian language, social, and digital media sites and discounting uh, the Russians as the as a as a location for any for for any future uh, places that the NHL can hold events. That's kind of a big one because that is like the Russia has the KHL, right? So that is their big thing. But most people know that the NHL is the top thing. So the NHL basically saying that they've disconnected from Russia is a big thing because they do have a lot of viewership, you know, over there, especially nowadays with the whole OV uh, chasing Gretzky thing. And there's a couple good Russian players. On Tampa Bay, who's won back-to-back cups. A lot of good Russian players in this league, and they've now disconnected from viewing of the NHL over in Russia. Honestly, I have a certain type of opinion about it. I don't feel like every player that's from Russia supports what they're doing. Yeah, I would agree with that, yeah. There might be some, but we don't really know... Like, you don't know, like, oh, this player supports this player, doesn't. But I would say most of the players don't support what Putin is doing, but they can't really come out and say that they don't support him because they kind of... Well, their family's over there. Yeah, their family's over there. They don't want their families threatened. So I understand both sides of it, but I think both sides has has a uh, different story to it. I think most of this is just... Companies backing out of Russia saying that they agree with what they're doing. So, like, for example, like CCM said that they are no longer going to put Ovechkin on like Russian advertisements or just any advertisements. They're not going to use Ovi anymore for CCM since you know he's sponsored by CCM. And everyone was flipping out, going, like, like Ovi didn't start the war. How can you take his brand deal away? They didn't take the brand deal away. He is still wearing CCM gear. What they're doing is they're taking Ovechkin or any other Russian player off of 
the advertisements going out to other countries. So, like, we're not going to see a magazine or a billboard or whatever with uh, Ovi on it or an Instagram post with Ovi on it because he's a Russian player and they're trying to stop that. So, moving on with this whole Russian talk here in the NHL, some NHL teams have upped their security after Russian players have received death threats through their social media DMs. So that is just teams protecting their players. Would you agree with that, Dakota? Yeah. That seems just kind of like a pretty simple one. I mean, NHL teams already have a pretty good you know, security thing anyway, and now they're just kind of protecting the players that they're paying the big bucks for. On Saturday night, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets lifted Rick's Nash number 61 to the rafters. Pretty good ceremony. Columbus... Uh, you know, a lot of people don't consider them as a real big hockey market. They showed up to uh, see Nash's jersey go up there. Nash was like the first big player to ever play in Columbus. Scored a lot of important goals, a lot of cool goal, like goals, memorable goals, stuff like that. So to see uh, that go up was a, was a big achievement for that franchise. Chicago has hired, within their organization, they've hired a GM their new GM, Kyle Davison, and his first order of business was declaring that the Hawks are going to go into a rebuild in order to gain more prospects in their system. Uh, obviously, your first thought of Chicago, player-wise, is Kane and Taves. Kane actually said that he plans on staying in Chicago, but he understands that if he gets moved, it's a business. Another thing that's happened in Chicago is you know trade talks are you know starting to go all over the place because the NHL trade deadline is not that far away. It's March 21st, and as of right now, it's March 6th. You know, a big key component to a deep playoff run for these teams that are in the playoffs is good goaltending. There's a couple teams in the playoff picture right now that their goaltending is kind of lacking, so they've been looking at players like Marc-Andre Fleury, maybe get him out of Chicago and get him to a team that could uh, do some damage in the playoffs, and Fleury said that he plans on staying in Chicago because he doesn't want to uproot his team again or uproot his family again. Yeah, but I can also see him getting traded though. I know he wants to stay, but I just have a feeling that like Chicago is going to play the nice guy card because of how the way things ended with him in Vegas. I think Chicago might just let it go. They might try to move him some other time. You know, probably like the during off-season. the off season would probably be the best part. So yeah. he has time to because there's no way he wants to stay there and do a rebuild. Just like Kane, like I know Kane wants to stay there. And he wants to do, you know, be a Blackhawk his whole entire career. But, you know, like him and Taves, you know, these guys are like super competitive guys. Like they're not going to want to sit there and go through a rebuild. They've already kind of gone through it halfway already. And then, like they just don't seem like their normal selves. They're not, like, they're still putting up numbers. But I mean, also age is a factor too. I like remember Kane, you know, and Taves like flying around out there, you know, having fun, smiling. And he doesn't seem like it's the same guys. Now I know like Taves has gone through the, uh, the injury problem with the illness last year, you know, and basically it's been up to Kane and Debrinka to lead that team. But, you know, we'll see uh, where it goes from here. Uh, the Chicago also, they fired assistant general manager Ryan Stewart and vice president of amateur scouting Mark Kelly. So those guys are no longer with the Hawks. Big news in Carolina. Uh, they will host the Washington Capitals in the 2023 NHL Stadium Series on February 18th at Carter, Finley, Stadium in Raleigh. This will be Carolina's first outdoor game in their history. 
the Stanley Cup playoffs and Stanley Cup finals are set to get a new logo and branding uh, refreshment, a refresher for the first time since 2013. So that patch that goes on the jerseys and you see it on TV and all that. It says Stanley Cup playoffs and then the year. That is going to be changed this year to something different. There has been a leak of it, possibly. There was a an NHL leak that it was like a badge. So that could be it. Maybe they're teasing it. Who knows? Uh, Tampa Bay head coach John Cooper was tossed out of a game during uh, their Pittsburgh game on March 3rd for yelling at a ref for a missed call and a penalty kill against Tampa Bay. He was not a happy camper. Got kicked out. I'd say almost immediately. You didn't really get too many words in before he got kicked out. Here's an interesting one for you, Dakota. I would imagine you didn't see this one coming. NHL legend Wayne Gretzky and uh, PGA player Dustin Johnson, who's actually married to Gretzky's daughter, they've collaborated to create a white, orange, and blue, which is Edmonton Oilers colors, a limited edition Adidas Tour 360 golf shoe. You know that thing's going to go for a hefty price. That baby's going to sew out. Because you put Dustin Johnson as one of the better players on the PGA, and then obviously Wayne Gretzky, we all know who that is. You know, they collaborated, obviously, because they have a connection there with Wayne's daughter. But, you know, Adidas jumping in on it, PGA and the NHL, I think those are, you know, three big uh, companies there working together to create that shoe. And to be honest with you, it ain't that bad looking. It's uh, something that if I was into golf, I'd maybe sniff in or, you know, look, in, look out for, but... You know, sadly, I'm not a golf guy. Uh, some teams uh, this week uh, have repped the Black History Month warm-up jerseys this week. Have you seen some of those, Dakota? Yeah, that's pretty cool. They're kind of all over the board. Like, none of them are the same. Like, for example, like the NHL camo jerseys, those are all the same, just with different logos on them. Or the cancer jerseys are all the same jersey, different logos on them. Sometimes they, you know, they throw a little difference in there, here and there. With these jerseys, I think the team just could pick what they wanted to do. A lot of cool ones out there. Like New Jersey had some of their old players that were African-American on it. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens did like a, a red, blue, or sorry, red, green, and black and yellow kind of look. A lot, a lot of cool designs out there and, you know, people getting creative with jerseys, so we always love to see it. Uh, the Seattle Kraken and the Winnipeg Jets, they, uh, they actually played the Ukraine National Anthem after, you know, the U.S. and the Canadian one before their games this week. So just, you know, a tribute to uh, showing that they support and stand with uh, Ukraine during these uh, hard times for them. A couple milestones this week. Uh, Colorado defenseman Jack Johnson, Seattle defenseman Mark Giordano, and Toronto forward Wayne Simmons. All three of them have played in their 1,000th game this week. So congratulations on 1,000 games. Huge achievement. Not that many players have done that. Dallas forward Joe Pravelski, he scored or he recorded his 900th NHL point. Also in Dallas, Jason Robertson, he's only played 100 games in the NHL. He has 97 points, so he's almost a point per game. And in game 100, he had a hat trick with the overtime game winner. And his celebration, Dakota, was laying on the ice. <laughs> National. <Probably tired. laughs> I, he, he was. He, they were feeding him the puck because they were trying to get, they knew you know what it meant to him and they knew what was happening. Uh, National defenseman and captain Yeoman Yossi, he uh, recorded his 500th NHL point as well this week. And here's an interesting one for you. Arizona forward Nick Schmoltz, he recorded seven points in the Coyotes' win over the Ottawa Senators. He had two goals and five assists. <laughs> and not only did he have a hell of a night, he broke three records. Uh, he's the He has the most points in franchise history in one game, so it was 
Uh, I think it was six, and now it's seven, so he, you know, he beat it by one. He has the most points by an NHLer this season, and he has the most points by an NHLer since the forward Sam Gagne uh, did it. He had eight points on uh, February 12th of 2012. So those are just kind of some uh, interesting facts that went along with that. Uh, Seven-point games. So, uh, odd to see you know, a team scores seven goals here recently, though. I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, some of these games have been getting ridiculous here with the scores. But, you know, putting up seven points, you know, two goals, five assists, and that's a hell of a night. Would you consider seven points better than a hat trick? Obviously, a hat trick's, you know, only three goals. But if you were that player, would you have, rather have seven points or an NHL hat trick? I think I'd rather have seven points. Yeah, seven points kind of rings out. Like, there's not been not that many people that got seven points. Now, obviously, back in the day when the numbers were a little bit more inflated than they are now, you know, it was a little bit more common. But nowadays, uh, I was Gretzky on a daily. Yeah, <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah, game. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's not so popular. And then we got the non-NHL news: San Diego goals goalie Lucas Dostal scored a goalie goal in the AHL against the Colorado Eagles in a 5-2 to two win where he also even had 51 saves. Hell of a night. Imagine having 50 saves. Like, Man A plus. Saves and he only let two goal. in. He let two goals in, and then he scores a goal, too. Bro, this man, this man said he's trying to get called up. Yeah. And then the PHF 2022 Isabel Cup will be held in Tampa Bay. And then some more Russian news. The IIH, IIHF has banned Russia and Belarus through it's August... Restart it. Restart it. The IIHF has banned Russia and Belarus through August and has moved the 2023 World Juniors Tournament out of Russia. That kind of that ticked a lot of people off. Huh? That ticked a lot. That ticked a lot of people off. Like only Russian people, but that ticked a lot of people off. Yeah. And then some more Russian news. It seems like we have a lot of Russian news. Yeah. This is just a start. Russian Hockey Federation, in a statement, said the IIHF decision to ban Russia and Belarus, as well as removing the 2023 World Juniors hosting rights, are discriminatory and contrary to the spirit of the sport. First of all, maybe you guys shouldn't no start shit. a war <laughs> yeah. on. You shouldn't start a war on Ukraine when Ukraine didn't even do anything to Russia. First of all. Well, listen to this. Imagine if we had a war here and we were supposed to get it. Or ma- uh-huh. Oh, yeah, no, no, scratch that. Imagine if we were the ones that decided where this uh, this tournament is played, where the World Juniors is played. Would I want to send my kids to the place. To, to a country that is safe, that, you know, is got everything figured out? Or do I want to send them to a place that's currently in an active war? Yeah. That's like, like you're pretty self-explanatory you're, why you're it's not You're literally sending them to a war zone. Not, it's not obviously going to be like in the front lines, but you know what I mean. Like it's a country that has other things going on right now. The last thing they need to do is it's a, worry. A country that's really not representing itself very well right now. At the moment, yes. And I'm not saying it's the Russians' people's fault. It's mostly Putin trying to be a bully. No, most of the Russians. Yeah, most of the Russians don't want war. Yeah. There's several people protesting no war and stuff like that. So I'm not generalizing any people of Russian descent. I know a lot of people that are Russian don't want the war. Then, oh, here we go. Wow, this is surprising. The CHL announced that Russian and Belarusian 16 to 17-year-old children will be banned from the upcoming CHL draft. Now, wow, that's funny. One, Why'd that happen? <laughs> this one, I will say, 
I kind of don't like this because, like I said, it's not all Russians who want the war. It's not like they're saying they're the ones who wanted to go to war. It's mostly Putin. So they're kind of taking away these kids' futures, mm-hmm. not letting them go to CHL. I understand the CHL's point on they're not trying to support Russia, but I also see the other side of a Russian kid who's been trying to go to the NHL of his life, and a CHL is a very important step in that process to get higher competition and to better yourself, and now they're saying that they're not even going to be able to be drafted. So, Yeah, not getting drafted is pretty big because, yeah. you know, that's like a big step into getting in, and after a couple years, you can, you like, there's only so, uh, so many years you can be drafted, is yeah. what I'm trying to say. You know, so if this ban lasts, you know, let's just say <laughs> four or five years, I mean, some of those kids might not be in the A group anymore for the CHL. Yeah. Obviously, they can go play in other leagues and stuff like that, but as we're going to find out, you know, farther down when Dakota starts talking about it, you know, like other leagues are also banning Russian players and, and Belarusian players, so it's going to be kind of tough for them to find ice other than in Russia, which Russia has kind of stopped, you know, their whole hockey situation because, you know, they got – you know, this war going on. Then the CHL has canceled the 2022 Canada versus Russia series. It's not really a surprise knowing that they're not even letting people of Russian descent get drafted into their league. And then Hockey Canada has banned Russia and Belarus from non-IIHF events held in Canada indefinitely. That is humongous. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Because Russia is now no longer allowed in Canada. Like, they're... Like, they're... Like they're Sport team, yeah, you know, like they are their club team, I guess. Like, so and it's indefinitely, so it's that's like ever until it's you know, it's been uh unbanned. The International Paralympic Committee will not allow Russian and Belarusian athletes at the 2022 games. That's another big one because Russia's already like just going to the Olympics, like, n- not even just the Paralympic side, like, just the whole entire Olympics already. Like, you know, Russia had that doping scandal, and they're, they can't participate under their flag for a blank amount of years, whatever Yeah, that's it why is. anybody watching Olympics, that's why it was said ROC. Yeah, ROC, you know, Russian Olympic Committee, instead of, you know, just Russia. So now what you've done is you've, you've taken them out of it completely, which, like, Putin's really big into hockey, and taking him out of it, like, it's just not going to make him happy. Like, I know he's got other stuff to go on. But, like, just banning everything and all that, like, it's just, it's like piling up. It's like when you're already upset and people just keep, like, nitpicking you about the little stuff, you know? That's just how I feel like what's happening here. That man deserves it, to be honest. <laughs> man deserves it. A Russian player in the OHL was targeted with an anti-Russian slur, so kind of would expect that. Yeah, I feel bad saying I that. Cause bad like, saying like, yeah, because, like, too. once again, like, Dakota's already mentioned, you know, like, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're making... The whole war itself, you know, obviously isn't the player's fault. Like, no one, like, some OHL player, whoever this was, like, they didn't start the war, you know? So it's, it's kind of, it, I feel bad, you know, for that, or for him, because of because of that, because, you know, he didn't start it, and now he's getting, you know, hateful comments towards him because of uh, his leader's actions, you know what I mean? So, but, like, on the flip side of it, a lot of people are pissed off at Russia at the moment. So it doesn't surprise me that this happened. But on the flip side of that, you know, you can't be going around saying, you know, anti-Russian slurs. The Russian Hockey Federation announced today that top 
Oh, okay. I thought it was about to... You ever see that Russian prospect that was named Ivan, Ivan, Ivan? I thought that's who I was about to say. That can be off the thing. It was just funny. But there was a Russian player named Ivan, Ivan, Ivan. The Russian Hockey Federation announced that today top prospect Ivan Marinashenko, who is expected to be a high first-round pick in the upcoming 2022 NHL draft, has been diagnosed with serious health problems. According to Sport Express, it's Hodgkin's lymphoma. The 18-year-old is receiving medical treatment in Germany and might miss the entirety of next season. He had 10 goals and 6 assists in 31 games played this year for the Omsky Karelia of the VHL. And then Mass Mutual has stopped airing the Alexander Novechkin and Nicholas Backstrom commercial following Russia's invasion of Ukraine due to Vechkin's support of Vladimir Putin. And if you're wondering what commercial we're talking about, we're talking about the one where <laughs> Baxton sits on the couch, and they're like, talk, I just remember they have cereal. Yeah, like, why is Baxton on your life support? Like, well, he, something about, he's, how's he going to, something about passing and all that. So who's he going to pass to on the power play? Backstrom's not Russian, is he? No. Well, it's mainly just because. It's Obi. Yeah. You literally just read it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess I did. Yeah, just so that's no it. longer uh, being aired. At least in the United States. And then the fines, there is none. There is no suspensions. Surprisingly. Surprisingly. There are some notable injuries. San Jose defenseman Mario Ferraro is six to eight weeks with a fractured fibula. Uh, Ma- wait, wait, wait. You're not going to... He's out longer than eight weeks. Huh? <laughs> a fractured fibula. Yeah. That, you're six out. Six to eight weeks. You're done. <laughs> you're done Even if he does se- come You're back, done for the season. You're not getting the regular ice time you do No, get. you're done for the season, dude. Just yeah. wait all year. Or wait all offseason. Then Washington forward Carl Haglin is out indefinitely with a serious eye injury. Yeah, that one's actually pretty bad. Yeah, that is really yeah. bad. So, yeah, we we do, we do need to keep an eye on that because there has been some key players in the NHL taken out over eye injuries. So this might sadly be another one. And then trades. There's only one trade. San Jose has acquired goalie Alex Stalock from Edmonton for... Future considerations. Future considerations. <laughs> no, I'll Man, tell that you. That guy is everywhere. Man, I'll tell you what. Alex Daylock, first game in San Jose. Mm. You know he's valuable when he's getting traded for future considerations. You know he's valuable when his first game he lets in six goals, and then the final score is eight nothing. Man, that's almost a better night than fucking Schmaltz had with a seven point night. <laughs> yeah, a, <laughs> a seven goals against night. Seven <laughs> goals against night. Gosh, these guys have been going crazy lately. I'll, I'll tell you what. Tell you what? I'll tell you what. Like, oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me I'll something. I'll tell you what. Like, that's he said, I'll tell you what. I'm like, tell what? Me. <laughs> <laughs> what? What are you going to tell me? And then we got some signings here. Arizona has re-signed Travis Boyd to a two-year deal, and Vegas Golden Knights have re-signed Ben Hutton to a two-year deal. And then we are going to go on to the quick six. I'll let Evan take a little yep. of the reins on this one. So this week is quick six. Last week we didn't do anything because me and Tyler just ranted about jerseys for probably about an hour or so. So this week we have no uh, questions from last week because we didn't do them. So we're just going to jump into this week. And instead of quick six, it's actually a quick four because Tyler is not here. The final to, four. Due to personal reasons. So there's only four of us or four questions. Two for each of us this week. So for my first question, will Dallas be in a playoff spot in two weeks? I'm going to say no. They're kind of one of those border teams in the West. I'm going to also say no. No one and no. Dakota's first question. 
Will Igor Shesterkin have more than three wins? I say yes. I'm going to say yes, too. He's on a bit of a heater. I'm going to stick with the New York Rangers. I'm going to say is uh, their forward, Chris Kreider. He leads the league in power play goals. Will he st- continue to lead in two weeks? I'm going to say yes. And then will Jake DeBrusque have more than four points? I'm going to say no. I'm also going to I'm going to disagree, actually. I'm going to say this I'm man gonna, had the hat trick. I'm going to say yes. All right, so that is it for quick six, or quick six, which is now quick four this week. <laughs> quick four. You got old quick four. It's no friendly wagers. That'll be next week. Uh, last week we did bet the board, so we have to recap bet the board. Uh, Tyler had every pick but one, so Tyler had five out of the six picks. Uh, I'm just gonna list them off in order. First game was Vancouver versus New York Islanders. Uh, Tyler had that. He said Vancouver by four. Correct answer was Vancouver by one. Tyler gets one point. Boston versus Columbus. That was my only pick from last week. It was I said Boston by three. Correct answer was Boston by one. So I get one point. Tyler had San Jose versus uh, Vegas. He, Tyler said Vegas by three. Correct answer was Vegas by two. So Tyler picks up a point. L.A. versus Dallas, that was also Tyler. He said L.A. by five. It was actually Dallas by one, so he gets zero points for that. And Tyler also had Calgary versus Minnesota. He said Calgary by three. Correct answer was Calgary by four, so he gets one point for that. And last but not least, St. Louis versus New York. Tyler said Rangers by two. It was Rangers by two, so he hit that and picks up three points. Man, for all those picks, he only got one right. (sighs) Yeah, but he got some points here, and he only missed, he didn't get a point on one. So that brings our point totals to first place is Tyler with 33. Second place is me with 29. And last place is Dakota with 22. So still a pretty close race, and these, you know, big points can be awarded here, you know, pretty easily. So moving on to this week's, we have Minnesota versus Detroit. Philadelphia, Carolina, Ottawa, Seattle, Washington, Edmonton, Vegas, Pittsburgh, and St. Louis, Nashville. First pick is who? First pick is me. Okay. Who we got? And I'm going to pick Carolina and Philadelphia. Carolina, Philadelphia. I'm going to pick Carolina by four. Car by four. Pick number two. Five left. It's you. I'm going to go with... hmm. We'll go with Minnesota-Detroit. I'm going to say Minnesota by two, even though Minnesota's in kind of a little rough spot. Haven't been playing up to the potential. So the two easy ones are now done. We have four games left. Pick number three is Dakota. What game are we picking here? I'm going to pick Washington and Edmonton. I'm going to pick Washington by three. Washington by three. And that is going to Dakota. Three games left. And then it's me. Dakota again, man. Dakota might get my catch up. And I'm gonna pick uh Pittsburgh against Vegas. Pittsburgh and Vegas. And I'm gonna say they're gonna win by four. Who? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh by four. Two games left. Ottawa, Seattle, St. Louis, Nashville. And then it's me. And who are you taking? Uh, St. Louis and Nashville. I'm going to take St. Louis. STL by one. by one. 
That's going to Dakota. Man, hope I get a pick here. This is back-to-back weeks. I have one pick. <laughs> and it's me? Oh, no. What's the last game left? Ottawa versus Seattle is your game. Shit. Pick Ottawa? Ottawa. By two. By two. Hmm. All right. So now, that's the only way we cut it loose. All right? We got a new game this week. Okay? So how it works is for every correct answer we get, you get one point, and you can only pick one player at a time. That's going to make more sense uh, when I tell you how it's going to work here. This is called the six-pack. So there's six different categories. The categories are one goal, two assists, plus five, 20 shots on goal, five blocks, and one shutout. So we have to give one player that is going to get one goal, one player is going to get one assist, and so on and so forth. So you get six different players. Once you use that player one time, you're no longer allowed to use that player for the rest of the year. So we are kind of starting this late, so this year won't be that hard. Uh, but once the uh, once next season comes around, we start from week one, you know, getting into the playoffs can be real hard. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. So starting off with one goal, who are you having to get one goal? I got Austin Matthews to get one goal. I'm going to get uh, Nino Nino Ryder on Carolina to get one. Okay. Two assists. Who do you have? I got Patrice Berger on. I got... Anthony Sorelli from the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, plus five. I got Ryan McDonough. I got Ryan Lindgren. Wow, Ryan and Ryan. Ryan and Ryan. 20 shots on goal. I got Evini Kunetsov. I got Sam Bennett from the Florida Panthers. He gets them grindy shots. He gets them rebounds, boy. Ooh. Five blocks. I got Robert Bertuzzo. I got Ratko Gudis. That man's definitely getting five That blocks. boy block shots. <laughs> and is. for our one shutout, hopefully not to jinx it. I got uh, Samsonov from the Capitals. I have Jacob Markstrom. So next week we'll go through those, and we'll see how that turns out, see who's, uh, if anybody gets points off of that. But um, that is it for you know part one here on episode 45. You guys are going to head into an interview here that we did earlier today with... Uh, Andy Hudson, or Huddy, as most people call him. Uh, great interview. You guys are going to learn a lot. He's a He's been a ref for a real long time. I think he said 35 years. 35 years. 35 years. That's ridiculous. That's older than me in Dakota. So we're going to send it over to that interview. Here in episode 45, we're glad to be joined by 49-year-old Andy Hudson, also known as Huddy. Andy's been all over the place. He was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He was raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He then moved to Fort Collins, Colorado, and then on to San Diego, California, before settling here in Kirkwood, Missouri. Andy's alumni of Colorado State University and the University of New Mexico, where he got his B.A. in history and his master's in health and physical education. Andy was awarded the Milt Kaufman Award in 2001, which is given for the top participant in the USA Hockey Officiating Instructors Training Program, where he did an outstanding job performing during the USA Hockey Officiating Instructor Training Camps and his overall dedication to teaching the USA Hockey material. Andy's been around the game in many different ways. He's officiated in multiple leagues, including the WPHL, the UHL, the ECHL, the NAHL, 
the CSHL, the ACHA, and the NCAA on the women's side. Andy just started refing for basketball five years ago in the CYC, and he just finished his first season as a MSHSAA certified basketball official at the high school level for both boys and girls. Some of Andy's biggest games he's officiated in are nine different USA national championships, including multiple quarterfinal and semifinal games as well. He did an American showcase here in St. Louis. He, in 2012, he did a Mid-States champion, and he's done multiple referee assignments for the Wickenheiser Cup, also here in St. Louis. With all that being said, Andy's most passionate about being a member of, a, of the board of directors for the Bill McKenna Scholarship Foundation serving as a camp coordinator for the Tim, P- Tim Peel Referee Camp, and Andy is part of the organization committee for the Central District Officiating Experience. Thank you for coming uh, here on episode uh, 45, Andy. How you been? I've been wonderful. Thanks for having me. That is a hell of a resume you got there. Many, uh, many games uh, officiated, and how did you, uh, you f- first get into officiating and... Uh, what made you want to stay with it? Well, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, I was a player uh, as a young player, and I was 15 years old. And we had just finished a practice. This was in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And a teammate of mine came in who was assigned to officiate the game that was coming up on the rink right after our practice. And his officiating partner was a no-show. And so he asked me if I'd be willing to make $6 cash and I said, heck, heck yeah, baby, this was probably 1985, and $6 was a lot of money back then. And so he gave me an extra whistle. I went out there and officiated the game, and ever since then, I fell in love with it, and I've been doing it ever since. So this is the start of my 35th year, I think. 35th year. That is older. No, I was going to say, it's older than me and Dakota combined, but we are older than that now. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking we were a lot younger than I was thinking about how old I was. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> Getting into officiating, how is officiating kids compared to high school competition and up? Uh, great question. So <clears throat> I love officiating kids hockey. I love officiating all levels, but kids hockey is all about kind of helping the kids learn the game, uh, officiate the game, but also teach them the game through officiating and really making sure that they're having fun. Uh, As you work higher levels like high school or even higher, the game becomes more about managing personalities and managing emotions uh, and uh, also keeping the game fair and safe across all levels has always been the the most important part about being a referee or an official. Are there any differences between refing men's and women's hockey? Absolutely. Um, Officiating between men's and women's is unique in that the men's game can be a little more physical, but that doesn't mean that there's not body contact at the women's game. And as officials, we want to look for plays that cause uh, a turnover or the uh, loss of a scoring opportunity or some other disadvantage, and applying those same principles across both uh, men's and women's is equally as important. So in in Dakota's first question where uh, he asked to compare – uh, refing from kids to uh, high school, you mentioned uh, safety, and that uh, that word kind of jumped out because obviously you know everyone involved in the game and people not involved with the game, you know, like parents who have to drop their kids off and and maybe girlfriends or wives and all that of the players and refs and coaches and all they all want safety. What are some ways that that refs uh, try to uh, make the game safer? 
Well, for me, it's about establishing a really strict and good standard right from the beginning, especially when it comes to any plays that could be considered dangerous. So players going into the boards violently or any sort of stick work that is more than just a typical hockey play, those need to be nipped in the bud automatically. And um, if officials can identify that early on and keep the kids safe, um, then the game's going to be much smoother for everybody. Uh, let's face it, I have teenagers of my own. Uh, the the important part of anything, whether it's hockey, any sports, or any walk of life, is we want to have a safe environment for people to do what they love. And uh, so officials' number one priority on the ice should be keeping everybody in the game as safe as possible. As we mentioned in uh, the intro, You've been a part of nine different USA national championships. Now those are some big games for those players. And, you know, they got nerves and, you know, they're a little nervous, either a good or bad kind of nervous before the game. Uh, when you're going into games like that, big games, meaningful games, do refs or uh, linesmen, do they get nervous before the game like players do? hundred percent, thousand percent we get nervous. And, in fact, if you're not nervous before a big game and really any game, then you probably need to kind of check your emotions because uh, that nervousness kind of uh, shows that you're getting ready and that you're anticipating a big challenge. And then really once the puck drops and once the game gets moving, that kind of nervousness goes away and you're just out there reffing the game and doing what doing what you've been trained to do. But I, I had the privilege of uh, being a linesman for two different national championship games in those actual championship games in those in those nine national championships. And uh, we were just ready to do our job. We went out there and did the job as best we could. And uh, being selected for something like that was a true honor, and it was a lot of fun at the same time. We all know that when hockey players get into playoffs, their intensity increases. So like when the NHL get into playoffs, the physicality increases. Um, in these big games, do the refing styles alter also? Uh, it would be naive for me to say no, because I think it's human nature to, as an official, um, be in tune with the emotions of a game and a big game. Um, the important part to me is kind of getting a pulse on what the game is, what the energy of the game is bringing to, to the environment in the rink and responding accordingly. So uh, the answer is maybe, <laughs> depending on the game. Um, but if you show consistency from one period to the next period to the third period and then potentially overtime, most coaches and players and spectators will appreciate that. And as long as you're consistent throughout a game and throughout maybe a series, if you're lucky enough to move on in playoffs, I think, um, I think that's the best part of being an official and that's, that serves the game the best. And, uh, in 2001, you won the Milt Kaufman award. Uh, what was it like winning this award, and how did you find out that you uh, that you won? Well, first of all, um, it was a, a great event that I attended. It was at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, and it was for officials who also give back to the game by instructing other officials. And we spent the weekend learning uh, about teaching uh, styles and curriculum that we can offer to our students who are officials. And the way I learned about it was the instructors of that program uh, that were teaching us to the different training methods were actually responsible for 
uh, determining who from the group of about 40 to 50 different instructors from around the western part of the country uh, was considered the top uh, participant, and I was fortunate enough to be chosen. Uh, I found out in front of my peers, which was fantastic, um, and uh, something that I look back on very fondly, and I'm, I'm proud to have won the award and uh, proud to be affiliated with all the other dedicated USA Hockey officials, members who have won that over the years. No, that's a, that's a very top honor it's for, I mean, especially for you to be there in the first place, because you, you mentioned, you know, it's a, it's a program where the, where the officials go that help other officials. So just being there in the first place, I mean, I would take pride in that if it were I. And then to also get an award while you're there, I could uh, only imagine how uh, grateful you are. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, you're very passionate about uh, your uh, work with the Bill McKenna Scholarship Foundation. Uh, could you explain to listeners uh, what the the Scholarship Foundation does and how it helps uh, the local community? Absolutely. First of all, Bill, Bill McKenna was considered one of the founding fathers of amateur hockey in the St. Louis area. He was responsible for founding Kirkwood Youth Hockey, and he was one of the original members of the Missouri Ice Hockey Officials Association. At the time, he was among one of the oldest officials uh, certified in the United States, if not the oldest official certified in the United States at age uh, 69, 70. He became familiar with the Evans Scholarship Foundation, which is an organization that provides scholarships for golf caddies, and that's located in St. Louis as well. And he thought, what if there was an organization that could benefit hockey officials that was uh, similar to the Evans Scholarship Foundation? And so that foundation was formed. And uh, after Bill passed away in 1997, that foundation continued through support of our members locally and other outside organizations and fundraising efforts. And proud to say that that foundation has raised significant funds over the years and provided scholarships for anywhere between five to seven officials, sometimes a few or sometimes more, uh, every season to pursue their uh, education after high school. And uh, I'm responsible for kind of some of the fundraising efforts through that through that board and for also spreading the word of the mission of the foundation and um, the officials that it benefits. Tim Peel is best known for his amazing work in the NHL and has been a member of the OA, or NHL OA since 1995. Tim has worked in 1,362 NHL games and 90 playoff games, which is uh, you know a lot of games, especially for an official. Uh, how does a guy like Tim show uh, to the younger officials coming up uh, how to last in, in this type of business? Yeah. Well, first of all, the, probably the reason you're mentioning Tim Peel is that the foundation that I just mentioned, uh, we have a camp for officials called the Tim Peel Referee Camp, and uh, it's been a fantastic uh, event every summer to help keep young officials motivated. But to your question, uh, any any person who's had a career as as long and as respected as a guy like Tim Peel um, deserves some kudos. To last uh, at that level with a top league in the world, with the fastest players and the best the best hockey players in the world, um, is is pretty impressive. And uh, while everybody has made mistakes on the ice or off the ice, and I'm sure Tim has, and he wouldn't be afraid to admit to the, some of those. 
Um, the fact that he has the passion for giving back to officials through this foundation is fantastic. And uh, for young officials that are maybe looking up to somebody like Tim or any of the um, uh, others that are out there, um, just being dedicated, having a fair sense of right and wrong, and being consistent and true to kind of your abilities and your and your word is something that um, that young officials could gain a lot from a, a guy of his stature. So in, in my question, I, I asked, uh, you know, Tim's been around for so long, as we as we know, and trying to keep refs in the business i think it's pretty well known in the hockey world that there's somewhat of a ref shortage at the at the moment Mm -hmm. so what does uh what are some steps that like usa hockey or like uh missouri takes uh for for trying to keep refs in the game because it is kind of a a role where most of the time you're getting yelled at by either players kids or you know coaches or all the above at the same time if you have a ref or an official that, you know, is maybe not too fond of getting yelled at or, you know, doesn't like how much attention they're getting. How do you, how does USA Hockey try to keep those refs in or how do they try to get new refs into position to where we don't have a ref uh, shortage anymore? Well, first of all, uh, shortage of officials is something that's absolutely real across all sports, not just hockey. And I think COVID was a big responsibility for it because officials – recognize, especially the ones that were maybe near the end of their career, recognize that they could replace officiating with something else um, when they were furloughed because of COVID. But to answer your question, um, there are efforts being made made across lots of different organizations, USA Hockey, the Missouri Ice Hockey Officials Association, others, to really mentor the young officials and support them at a young age. And I think what's important to understand is challenging young officials that show promise trusting them to go out and work bigger level games, challenging them to that higher assignment. Maybe a maybe a 16-year-old kid is currently working squirts and peewees, but maybe they are showing enough promise to go and work a Bantam AAA game with a veteran. And that only motivates that official to get better. And if, if we can, as a group, really challenge our younger officials to get better, if they step up to the challenge, they should be rewarded. And then if they continue on, they should keep being rewarded and challenged with new opportunities as they get older. Um, the The abuse towards officials is real. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, for a guy like me who's been doing this for 35 years, um, I can take it. And if I'm working a game with a young official, um, I get much more upset with somebody verbally abusing or attacking that young official than it would be to me. I'd rather have them yell at me because I have the experience and the maturity to handle it, I think. Um, Not at all times, but... (laughs) um, And what I would just offer to people out there listening is take a minute to understand the perspective and your role in the game. Is If you're a fan, be a fan. Cheer. um, Celebrate your son or your daughter's uh, awesome play out there. Celebrate the opponent's play, okay? And cheer as loud as you want, but let the referees do their job. Most referees out there are doing it because they love the game. And do they make mistakes? Absolutely. But as many mistakes as a referee might make, players are missing passes. They're making bad shots on goal. 
they're missing a save to, for that game-winning goal, and they're making mistakes, and coaches are making mistakes. They might make a, a late line change, or they might put the wrong crew out for their the wrong line out for a, a penalty kill situation. If if everybody can understand their perspective and just like stay in their lane, the game is so much better for it across all different levels. Right now, we're talking with Andy Hudson. Uh, one thing you said in that in the, your last response was, you know, right now we're kind of, we're talking about you know keeping refs in the game. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked to uh, a ref who is also currently you know trying to move up the ranks, uh, Craig Ford, who you uh, know. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that Craig kind of talked about was uh, referees picking or being able to kind of somewhat pick their own schedule of games that they want to work at. Mm-hmm. Uh, when someone is scheduling uh, refs at these games, do they look at guys who uh, who are willing to uh, kind of go in above and beyond, kind of like kind of like at work? You know, they they put the the better guys in a in a better uh, position to you know succeed and mm-hmm. possibly move up in the the business or you know however the the workplace is set up. Is that kind of how? Uh, it works with uh, officiating in in a way yes uh depending on the level um anytime an official shows promise and wants to move up i'm a big proponent of rewarding that opportunity craig is an awesome example he started like two years ago he has shown that he has the passion for it he wants to get better and so he's been rewarded with big assignments and he's gotten to officiate in different parts of the country at least in the midwest as far as scheduling goes, yes, we can identify the dates for which we are available, but it's not really picking your own assignments per se. It's more of indicating to the assigners that you're interested in officiating a specific date or a specific time, and then the assigners really are looking at your abilities and will assign you accordingly. So it's kind of not so much picking your assignment, but more identifying the days that you're willing to work. And uh, as we get more officials, and I hope we will, then the assigner's job almost becomes easier because the more officials they have to choose from, the larger the pool, the, um, the more selective the assigner can get and, and picking the officials that he thinks are going to serve the game the best for that particular game. What is some advice you'd give to a young official that maybe is having some trouble with, like, bantering from the coaches or the crowd yelling at them to maybe, like, shrug it off or maybe think of something mental to say to yourself to not think about it too much? Uh, For a young official, it's tough. I mean, I have two teenagers, um, and they make mistakes every single minute of their life sometimes. Um, and officials are no different. We're all going to make mistakes. Uh, I still make mistakes in games that I work every single game. I, I, there's something that, that, that I do that I'd rather do differently. What I would say to those young officials is more often than not, the abuse coming from the stands, and I hate that the fact that there is some of it, but, but let's face it, there is abuse, is directed at the stripes and not at the person. Um, these young officials, they look much older out there when they have these helmets and their visors on. And if officials can stay true to themselves and just recognize that I'm going to do the best of my ability right now and I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going to call what I feel is right and then get the game moving again, sometimes some of that background noise will be harder to hear. Um, And if they don't take it so personally all the time and just move on, 
um, they're going to they're going to be fine by it. But I would say to the people that are serving up that abuse is the next time you're at a rink and you look out and let's say you're at a peewee game and you look out at the officials, that official out there might be 14 or 15 years old. And what you could say to that official may have an impact on their willingness to continue to officiate. And so I would offer to those people is think twice before you say something. If you were at a grocery store and somebody put um, a canned good on top of your loaf of bread and crushed your bread, would you yell at the person bagging your groceries if they were 15 or 16 or 17 years old? Probably not. You might ask them to do something differently, but you're probably not going to verbally abuse them. So just keep that in mind. Have some perspective. And like I said earlier, understand the, your role in the rink as a spectator and uh, let everybody else kind of concentrate on their role. That's a that's a great, great segue into our next question. You just talked about roles. Let's uh, talk about some of them that, that you've been doing here for the last little bit you've been a camp coordinator for the tim peel referee camp you uh are a board of directors for the bill mckenna scholarship foundation and many others uh how did you get put in these roles and uh my secondary question off of that would be uh how do you plan to make these organizations better uh when you leave and uh when you showed up right well, early on when I lived in St. Louis, I recognized the Bill, Mus the Bill McKenna Scholarship Foundation was a fantastic organization, and uh, we did a lot of fundraising events early on. Uh, we served concessions down at uh, Enterprise Center, which at the time was uh, the Keel Center, and uh, we sold T-shirts at the old VP Fair to raise money for the foundation, and we also offered um, or encouraged members to, to give back some of their game fees to the foundation. But uh, as we continued to grow the foundation, I was responsible for starting uh, the golf tournament, which, which continues today. We have an annual golf tournament that benefits the foundation. And uh, as that became more successful, I was asked to join the board of directors, which I'm, I'm proud to be a member of. The events that we run, uh, the golf tournament, the Tim Peel Referee Camp, and then a new camp that's going out into Colorado called the Jay Shares Officiating School, they're, a, they're fantastic events because they combine grassroots officiating, the development and coaching of young officials especially, in an atmosphere of fun, um, a camp atmosphere where if anybody's ever been involved in a camp, no matter what the camp is, you make lifelong friends through this these camps, um, and we really challenge the the officials to get better, and it keeps them motivated and encouraged to um, continue with officiating. And then, uh, as they pursue their secondary education or their post secondary education, rather after high school, um, they have the opportunity to apply for a scholarship. So it's a really unique event. It's completely volunteer run, which really charges my battery because I really enjoy. Um, opportunities in hockey and other places that look into mentorship of, of young people, um, the benefits of, of working with a community of, of, of like-minded individuals to accomplish a goal is really important to me. And I feel like uh, the Bill McKenna Scholarship Foundation has been fantastic for this. And I just look forward to continuing to grow it as best that I can. As we mentioned in the intro, you started refing basketball. How hard was it to learn the rules of basketball compared to the rules of hockey? 
Yeah, it's been a fantastic uh, new journey for me. I love the fact that I'm challenging myself with some new um, skills. I get to meet new people. I get excited about going to the gym instead of the rink. Um, sometimes even just walking in a building and not knowing where to go, which gym to work in, it's kind of exciting. Um, but as far as the rules go, I played basketball as a young person and actually coached a little bit of my kids, never any high level. So I'm familiar, and I've been a fan of basketball uh, my whole life. And um, really, so learning the rules was somewhat difficult, but at the same time, applying the same principles as the rules of hockey or really any sport is you're looking for uh, plays that are obvious. You're looking for plays that result in some sort of advantage or disadvantage or taking away a scoring opportunity. Those same kind of principles you can apply across all sports. Um, I have to admit the charging penalty in hockey and the traveling uh, penalty, but the charging signal in hockey and the traveling signal in hockey are exactly the same. I don't think I've confused both of them yet, but <laughs> maybe I will. I've got two. I've got two basketball games tonight, uh, this afternoon, and I refed a hockey game yesterday. So hopefully, I can keep the the, the rules straight. But um, um, it's been a great challenge. I enjoy it. I really enjoy meeting new people through it and um, making some new relationships. So, good question. Well, I think as uh, as long as you don't call a charging penalty or a traveling penalty when a hockey player doesn't stick handle every four feet, I think uh, I think it'll be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be a good one. Yeah, maybe we should maybe we should uh, start that rule, Evan. That'd be fantastic. you're like, yeah, I'm sorry, but uh, number twenty four, <laughs> he didn't stick handle in four strides. He just pushed it ahead and just skated after it. So that we have to set him down for that. Double dribble. We'll have to we'll have to give the other team two penalty shots. When the player tips it, that's goaltending. <laughs> oh, nope. there's a goalie in front of the net. Can't do that. Alley oop. So uh, I have a hypothetical here for you, Andy. Okay. Uh, let's say there's a kid out there that wants to take up officiating. Uh-huh. He's kind of on the edge of it because uh, you know he knows that it can be kind of a, a tough job. Uh, what are some things that you would say to him or her that would uh, get them more involved or more interested? And then where could they go to get started to uh, to start that journey? The first two things I would say to that official is it's a fantastic opportunity to improve your skating. Think about this. You are on the ice for the entire game. And I became a much better player through officiating because I had to learn better edge work, how to skate more efficiently, how to skate backwards better, um, no doubt. And the second thing is is the money that you can make as a young official is fantastic. You can, in a sense, pick your schedule because you can put down when you're available. Um, you can go to the rink and do an hour game and make $35 as a kid. I don't know any other part-time job where you can make $35 an hour. Um, no, not as a kid. Yeah, that's true. Wanting to get involved, uh, go to the Missouri Ice Hockey Officials website, uh, Officials Association, MIHOA.com. Go to the officiating section of the USA Hockey website. We have seminars every year starting in mid-August and maybe going September, October. you got to get started early in the season. And then go out and work as many games you can at as many different levels and just get experience. It's a wonderful opportunity for kids to really enjoy themselves. Um, I would encourage every every hockey player to try it for at least one year. If not for maybe continuing to do it, but even just understanding how difficult a job it is, um, and it makes you a better player. I mean, 
in addition to becoming a better skater, you start to see the game in a different way. You really do because you're, as an official, you're responsible for getting to different positions and understanding the kind of the flow of the game and the flow of the breakouts. And you can actually apply those same principles to playing and it just helps you become a better player. Um, it's also a heck of a lot of fun. The My most enjoyable times on the ice as an official are when it's a big game and we go out and together as a crew, whether it's a two-man system or a three-official system or a four-official system, is we come together as teammates and we go out and we officiate we officiate the hell out of that game. Okay, that sounds kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, we say that kind of thing. We say we're going to officiate the hell out of this game and we come out of there and we know <laughs> that the teams have had the opportunity to really have a good competition and that we've kept it fair and safe. And that the, at the end of the day, the team that wins deserved to win. The team that lost maybe deserves to a loss. And we've really uh, provided a great service for that game. So our, our last question here before we get to the gauntlet or the return of the gauntlet. Can't wait. Is uh, We ask this question to everybody. Everyone that listens you know, knows this one. What's a life lesson that this game has taught you? Life lesson. Um, absolutely, it's respect. Respect. And... Um, I can't say that word enough because um, as an official, you have to respect the rules and you have to respect your role as an official in the game. And hopefully the other members of the other people involved in the game are offering some respect to respecting their roles in the game, whether they're a coach or a player and respecting the other members that are, that are involved. Um, we also... I also think that the game is so much bigger than one individual. The game is so much bigger than one official or one player or one coach. And it's such an amazing sport and an amazing game. And as long as we continue to respect the fact that the game is out there for the players and for the kids, uh, everybody's going to have an enjoyable time. All righty, Dakota. This is not the part you're looking forward to. <laughs> nope. Looks like I'll get out of here. Yeah, we got to kick out the one in five Dakota out of this room. I promise I'm going to put my ear to the floor. No, you're okay. Sorry, because I know you're gonna key. I've heard a lot about this gauntlet thing, so yeah. I'm I'm ready. So as Dakota's leaving, I'll uh, I'll explain the rules, to everyone, because we okay. haven't done this in about a month. So it's a five question trivia quiz. Mm -hmm. uh, this one's gonna be more geared towards officiating or you know things around that, since we do have uh, Andy here, who does that for a living. So. With that being said, there's five questions, and then there's a bonus question. If you answer the question correctly without options, which are A, B, C, or D, uh, that's worth two points. If you need the options and you get it right, that's worth one. At the end, we tally up one through five, and if there's a tie, we go to the tiebreaker, which is always a number. There's never an options on the tiebreaker, and obviously, highest number wins. Okay. So it's not like golf. You don't want the lowest. You want the highest. Okay. So I'll try to get uh, double bogeys is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, the options, can I choose it each question? Or is it right from the get-go? All five, I have to choose options or no options? No. You can, I'm going to read you like question one. Ah. Question one, uh, you can take as much time as you want on it. And yeah. then if you can uh, think of it, then you can uh, ask for options. Gotcha. And give it to it. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. So it's uh, an either-or kind of situation. All right. Dakota's hit. probably going to do the options on every one. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm uh, not afraid. Let's go. Yeah, so I'm like ready. I said before, some of, them are, some of them are easy, some of them are harder. So okay. uh, you don't feel ashamed to do the options. All right, I'm ready. Because one point's better than none. All right, so for question one, mm -hmm. right, here before we start, it's 11.02. Okay, so we have 28 minutes. No problem. Okay, so for question one, 
All NHL on-ice officials are members of the National Hockey League Officials Association, or the NHLOA, which is a labor union founded in what year? Oh, my. I told you, these are, these are rough questions. Okay, options. Options. So, 1954, 1969, 1978, or 1982? 1978, Evan. 1978. All right, question two. To the surprise of many, there's actually a retired number in the officiating world. What number is it? Uh, number one. Number three. So not the NHL or the USA, the actual Hockey Hall of Fame, the big one in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, let's go with options on that one. So it's uh, 10, 12, 14, or 16. I'm going with 12 on that one. Going with 12. Evan. Question four. These are tough. Yeah, I told you. Okay. There are four, or in the NHL, there are 41 linesmen and 45 referees currently in the NHL. For a grand total of 86 officials, what country is most represented between the 86 individuals? Canada. No options. Feels, that was a quick answer. I feel yeah. You feel confident on that one. This one's a tough one. I'm, I'm right on that last one, I know. All right, this sure. one's a tough one. Okay. What is the average salary for an NHL linesman? Uh, let's go with options on that one. So it's 218K, 235K, 248K, or 261K? Whew. Let's go with the 235, I think, is what you said. 235. Sure. All righty. And then the tiebreaker, so there's no options on this one. Mm -hmm. And this one's a little bit outside of the NHL world. What season did the NCAA start the four-man system? Oh, that's a great question. Let's see. So you can give me either the first year or the second year. So it's kind of a two-year gap here. Okay, give me the options. Oh, no, there is no option. Yeah, it's a tiebreaker. Oh, okay. So interestingly enough, I think I went to the NCAA final game that was that was here in, in St. Louis, and that was the last year that it was the three-official system. And that was probably maybe 2007. So I'm going to say 2008, 2009. So 2008 is when they, the mm -hmm. 08, 09 season is when they, yeah. Uh, yeah. they switched 09. it over. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go grab Dakota real quick. Okay. And we'll get through his. All right. Dakota, you're in trouble. How hard were the questions? I hope the questions weren't hard. <laughs> they were hard for me. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that so, doesn't sound too promising. Yeah, so before we start, how good do you think you did? I think I got half of them right. You got half, so you think so the you most you can get is ten points. You think you got around five? Sure, I, I think I got five points. All right, maybe Dakota. six. How do you feel about that one? It sounds like a quiz where I just use options and yeah. hope I pick C. Yeah, I'd say so. It <laughs> seems like a one uh, where you're gonna pick options a lot. Well, I have a twenty-five percent chance on each question. You, except for the tiebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to list off the answers after you answer them, like we've been doing the last couple of times. I know it's more pressure. So demoralizing, you. <laughs> just knowing you got it wrong. So, uh, so question one: uh, An NHL onside or all NHL off ice officials are members of the National Hockey League Officials Association or NHLOA, which is a labor union founded in what year? Options. That's what I thought. 
I have no idea. 1954, 1969, to the surprise of many, there's actually a retired number in the officiating world. What number is it? Uh, options. Options. Should I just put options on for all of them? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think so so. Uh, I didn't take options on this one. I mean, maybe I should have. Options are uh, 72, 36, 55, or 7. You said 72? Yeah, 72, 36. 72. 72. You might be right. I did. I just realized it now. So Andy said one, which was not one of the the selected uh, or one of the options. Dakota picked A with options, and that is correct. It's number seventy-two. And is the reason because an official that wore seventy-two was killed in a car accident? Yep. And yep. his last name is Provost. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should have known it. Oh. Yep. Shoot. Right. You might know this one to go. Okay. Number three. How many on-ice officials have been inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame? So not the USA and not the NHL, the actual Hockey Hall of Fame, like everybody. I need options. I don't know off the top of my head. Options. 10, 12, 14, or 16? Say 10. 10. So Dakota said 10, Andy said 12, correct answer is 16. Yeah. We both so right failed now, on that one. Yeah, yeah. So right now the score is 3-1. Andy, In my favor. Yeah, Andy's winning with two questions left. This is close. Question four. There are 41 linesmen and 45 referees currently in the NHL for a grand total of 86 officials. What country is most represented between the 86? So what? Canada. Canada. Right. Tie game. Oh, <laughs> I was like U.S. or Canada. I was like, yeah. So the score is three to three. We're both tied. of our guests got that one right. They both said C, which was Canada. Here's the breakdown: out of the 86, there's 68 from Canada, mm-hmm. 17 from USA, and one from the Czech Republic. That's right. Yeah. No other country is represented. Mm-hmm. I found that kind of interesting. That's why I threw it down there. Yeah. Question five. Dakota has to get it right, or we go to our first tiebreaker ever, which I'm actually kind of excited. Even if I, I hope right you get with, it wrong. Even if I get it right with options, I'd win, right? Yeah. Okay. If you get it right without options, you're the you'd win by two. Yeah. You'd win I, five three. You know, I'm not, I'm not go, picky. Go oh. without. I'll be okay with one point. Okay. Come okay. on, do it without. Dakota options. could go two and five. <laughs> <laughs> what is the yeah. average salary of an NHL linesman? Oh, he's gonna get this. Options. <laughs> I think I know it off the top of my head, but I'll take options. Okay. Oh, my god. Well, first off, before you say that, I want to know what you thought off the top of your head. I want to say off the top of my head, like, uh, you said NHL, right? NHL linesmen, I not say like refs. I, the linesmen. I want to say, like, 
90,000? Well, glad I didn't say that. Well, <laughs> I don't think that's right. Yeah. The options are 218K, 235K, 248K, or 261. I'm going to say 218K. 218K. So the correct answer is B, which is what Andy said with options, which is 235. So it's a tie. We have a tiebreaker. Oh. So this is closest to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, come on. So what season did the NCAA start the four-man system? So four officials on the ice instead of uh, three. 1993. 1993. I think I got it. I think I got this one. Dakota, you done messed up. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer was they changed in the 2013-14 oh, season, oh. and Dakota... You said 1993. <laughs> Andy said 2008-2009 season. Yes. So Andy was closer. So Andy wins 4-3. Oh, you know what? And a tiebreaker. We'll the last, the tiebreaker. At least that, it wasn't a blowout. Hey, that's our first tiebreaker, yeah. though. Good job, Dakota. That was fun. I was yeah, kind of getting I, I worried. I was sweating. I was kind of getting worried because <laughs> the first three uh, questions Andy got wrong. So I was like, mm. uh-oh. I was like, this might be a little too hard. Yeah, to lose. And you know what? That uh, officials retired. I should have taken options, and then I definitely would have known it. Because yeah, that the, was uh, that was that was uh, yeah. the official that that was killed in the car accident. Yeah, I didn't know that. It's like coming up with these questions. You know, I just kind of some of it I knew or knew enough to look it up to you know make the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them I had to look up just you know off the just like you know referee sure. trivia questions, and that was one that popped up. Okay, and then. Uh, I guess I wanted to know how many officials and all that were actually in the league in the NHL, and it said 86, and I found it odd that there was a mass majority from Canada. Like, it makes sense, but you just kind of, that's like, you know, 68, and then the next number is 17. And then there's only one from Czech Republic. I was going to ask which country is least represented, but that's Ooh, I could have gotten that one. And at one time, there was a referee in the NHL from Russia. His name is Evgeny... uh, Evgeny... Something, uh, I'm not. I'm not remembering it right now. But but he's no longer refing in the NHL. So, well, Dakota, I'm sad to say your record's been changed to one from six. <laughs> That's a long. It was fun playing clock. with you, Dakota. Yeah. <clears throat> hey, that was I a wish good you one. best. I'm gonna root for you the next round too. Yeah. Thanks. He needs it. See who, <laughs> see who I go against. Well, maybe I they'll think, pick Tyler. I think your next. I think the next possible. Uh, Option, I think our next guess is Kevin, uh, yeah, Wodkowski. Okay, so that's uh, that's another tough one. And then after that, we have a uh, Frank. So, but after okay. that, we got Jay Shears. Nice, so yeah, Jay Shears is going to be a fantastic guest. He's the first ever black official in the NHL. Um, fantastic guy, uh, is based in St. Louis now. Um, he was a, an amazing linesman. Seven Stanley Cup finals, seven more than I have yeah. as an official. <laughs> um, but I think you'll really enjoy him as a guest, and uh, and I look forward to hearing that one as well. So sadly, our time here is done with Andy. Uh, How did you like it? You enjoy? I had a great time, and uh, I got to say, this studio that you guys have down here is first class. I love it. Yeah, we got something going on. Yeah, we got some stuff cooking down here. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> 
a little much, a little too much money maybe involved, but uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was an honor having you on and you know sharing uh, your thoughts about uh, you know officiating and uh, maybe helping uh, the younger generation. Maybe uh, maybe there's a couple future uh, refs, linesmen, officials uh, listening. I hope so. Um, I really appreciate you guys inviting me on. It's been a fantastic opportunity getting to know you guys and uh, um probably made my day here winning the gauntlet so yeah uh, uh, things can only go downhill from this today this is the highlight of my weekend i'm I'm thinking i don't know at the beginning (laughs) pre-recording you know i was kind of getting on to code and andy's like you know chill you're kind of just burying him right here but now now since he's won the gauntlet andy's on my team (laughs) (laughs) awesome thanks a lot guys i had a lot of fun no we loved having you on maybe uh we can grab you again sometime we can talk some more you bet, you bet, and if there's ever any officials you need on here, just let me know. I can I can get in touch with them. He's so. the hookup, and he's our guy. <laughs> yeah. All thanks, right. Thanks, fellas. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 45 of the Fanville Hockey Podcast. Make sure you uh, guys don't forget about our Fanville store and our Discord and our Instagram bio. On behalf of Dakota, Andy, and myself, we're out of here, and we're going to see you guys next Tuesday. Hope you guys enjoy your week. Bye. You've been listening to the Fanville Hockey Podcast, your one-stop source for everything NHL. You can follow the show on Instagram at Fanville Podcast. If you'd like to rep the Ville, go to shopfanville.myspreadshop.com or hit the link in our Instagram bio.